It's time for the Smart Money Questions Podcast with Matt Hausman. This is the show that provides you with a sound financial education and helps you avoid financial pitfalls. Make sure you are asking the right questions by listening to the Smart Money Questions Podcast. Oh, we're so glad you're back with us here on Smart Money Questions. Walter Storholt alongside Matt Hausman, the founder of Old Security Group, with offices in Westchester, PA, and Newark, Delaware, serving clients, however, all across the country. Find us online at smartmoneyquestions.com. Matt has a nice tan. He's back from the beach. <laughs> He's got a full belly of probably crab legs and all sorts of good stuff in there. And how was your trip, man? Welcome back. It was good. It was real good. We ended up getting a great place. We were in Myrtle Beach, actually North Myrtle Beach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's the first time I'd ever been there, and I had no clue on how built up it is. Oh, yeah. It's slammed. I mean, it is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were staying right on the beach. We would walk out, and I would look to the north, and as far as I could see, it would be 20 to 30 to 35-foot condos and or hotels. And then I would look to the south, and as far as I could see, I was seeing the same thing. And ours was one of the smaller ones. I think ours was only 21 Floors. It was kind of interesting. We were on the 19th floor facing the water. Well, actually, we kind of had both ends because one of the bedrooms faced to the west. But there was four balconies. Essentially, the living room and all the rooms had a balcony off of them. And the dining room. I guess I'd make it five. And I am now definitely scared of heights. (laughs) (laughs) I could not walk over. I could not lean on the railing. Uh-huh. There, just I just too much for you. I yeah. could get to like, you know, within 18 inches. And then I was kind of peering my neck over like a giraffe. Other than that, it just looked down at the water. But it, it was a really, really good time. Weather could have been a little bit better. but So I'm not maybe as tan as I would like to be. But definitely, I'm full. We were eating well every single day we were there. That's for sure. And you survived a jet ski ride. That's good news. Yeah, survived that and survived the golf. Yes. Um, We got out early afternoon and there was a bunch of golfers before in the morning. Apparently it had just opened up and poured. And so they were all leaving the course and we had a great round where it was wet. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't raining on us. The course was still draining. So there were spots that were pretty wet. But, you know, I'm I'm one of those golfers that I get ADD as you make the turn. I'm ready to go to the 19th hole on hole 11, or I, what would that be? Actually, hole 10. <laughs> hole 10, yeah. And so, but we got a full 18 in, and it was Maggie and Ryan and I. It was a really good time, not being pressed or having someone up behind you, and it was really a good time. I haven't been golfing for very long, so I've played probably only three to four rounds at this time, although I have gotten my first par, which was exciting. Hey, um, there you go. Not for the course, of course, but uh, for, you know, a hole. Um <laughs> <laughs> but boy, it makes the experience much better if you don't have anybody behind you. When you got oh my goodness, when you've yes. got somebody behind you and that pressure, oh, that just takes the fun out of it at least for now. You know, I, I probably won't mind eventually, but yeah, it's nice not having anybody other than maybe your your friends who already know that you're terrible watching you. <laughs> and that's really the truth. You know, everyone plays golf unless you're a scratch golfer. Because, you know, you play around and you might have four or five, maybe six really good, like the pros would have taken that shot, mm-hmm. right? You only need a couple of those to keep you going. Right. But that was the first time I've played 18 in at least three years. Sometimes Maggie and I will get out and play a little executive course around here and walk it. And mainly because we both are kind of like that. It's just, okay, I can get out, let's swing the sticks, get some exercise, and then be done. Nine yeah. holes is plenty. 
But this was let's put it this way: this is the first time I had actually pulled out a wood in three years. Because okay. the executive course, I never need really anything more than like a seven iron. Mm-hmm. So it was a good time. And the other thing, I'm probably not the biggest fan of golf or play a lot of it because we were out there for almost five hours. And it that's with nobody a long in front of us, time. nobody yeah. behind us. Yeah. So that's it's a long It's time. a day. It's a day playing around a yeah. golf, it seems sometimes. Yeah. That's just because we're chasing the balls off into, into the edges <laughs> a little too much, off into the rough. I know you didn't want to talk about this on the show, or you probably don't want to, but I'm going to make you anyway. A little birdie told me you got showed up by a 14-year-old girl. Is that right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I would say showed up, but the funny thing was, so the only person that we had come behind us as we were playing, we probably got to hole five, and we noticed that there was a woman behind us. And we could tell that she was really good because she was moving through the holes very quick and we would like get our first shot off and she'd be right on the tee box. And now we got someone behind her. It was like a couple holes later, six or seven. And I looked over at Maggie. I was like, let's just let her play through. She's all by herself. There's no reason for us to hold her up. And the time that there was somebody in front of us, now those guys were really good too. And they're like way beyond us. So I was just, just let her go. So she comes up as she hits her drive and she's driving past us and she says, thank you. And she's 14 years old. <laughs> <laughs> And let me tell you, when I tell you she was striping the ball, she made a par on this particular hole. I think it was the sixth or seventh hardest handicapped on the round we played. And she parred it. We watched her. Wow. I mean, she hit the drive right down the middle. It was obviously cart path only because it was so wet. She walked out, boom, struck the other one, hit the. So she's in the fairway in regulation. And then she's on the dancing green in regulation to put it out for par. Wow. Impressive. And guess what? That was the only hole we saw her on. By then, she was so fast. She was like three holes ahead of us within like 30 minutes. She, she was out of there. That's fantastic. Yes. Very cool. Well, we've got a good show uh, planned for today. and glad that you're back with us and rested from vacation. You should vigorously be able to attack these great questions we've received from listeners across the country today. Speaking of golf country, our first one's going to come to us from Hans in Arizona. By the way, if you want to submit a question to ever be featured on the show, you can do that at smartmoneyquestions.com. And our first question, again, from Hans. It's a good one. He says, I hate having money in the bank, Matt, because it's not earning enough interest every month even to buy me a cheeseburger from the value menu. I say this as speaking of golf because he's from Arizona and, you know, good golf out there in Arizona, <laughs> just in case anybody missed that link. For the money that I've earmarked as my emergency fund, Hans goes on, is there something better I can do with it? Well, it depends on how safe you want your money. In other words, the emergency fund usually is for what that is, an emergency fund. So really, my advice is always, and I think most advisors would tell you, needs to be in a savings account, money market account. And you're right, that's not earning very much. So the purpose for that money is that. So, you know, you just have to be okay with it. So maybe one of the things to look at is, do you have too much in your emergency fund? Because I get this kind of question all the time especially with the fact of what the market's done over the course of the last couple of years. Everyone wants to, I don't want that money over in the bank earning nothing. I want to put it somewhere that it's going to be growing like what they're seeing the market's doing. And I really caution people on doing that because the purpose of an emergency fund is exactly that, that you have money to go to, 
that is going to be there when you need it. And if I put it in the market or any other type of investment that carries risk with it, then I run the risk of it not being there when I need it. But you could look to reduce how much you're keeping there. So many times I'm talking to clients and because they're not spending as much as they thought. And when we sit down on our reviews and we're going over it, well, you know, we're going over the balances, obviously, that we're monitoring and advising them on. And I always end up asking the question, okay, how much do we have sitting over in savings? And maybe last year they had $30,000 sitting in savings. And now when I talk to them, they got 72000 Well, is that too much? Is that enough? Or is that not enough? And that's where maybe the idea, Hans, how much you have in there, maybe the thing to do is reduce it. Then you can take that money out and invest it. But you really want to analyze how much do you want to have in an emergency fund. And even though it pains you, it's okay for it to be there. Because the reality is you want the money liquid. And so there really aren't any other options that you can take advantage of where the money is liquid and safe. Now, I will say this. Some of the rates are going up. You know, there's Ally Bank out there. I think American Express Savings, Capital One, they're offering one and a half or more. At least that's better than what it was just a year ago, year and a half ago when it was like 0.05. There's some other alternatives for that. And maybe that gets you on the value menu finally. (laughs) Actually get a cheeseburger. Solves one problem. (laughs) Yeah. But it's not going to be pie in the sky returns. And you just have to realize it's okay because that money is fulfilling the purpose of being an emergency fund. Yeah, I think that's just one of those things. Remember the purpose of the dollars and then invest appropriately. And the emergency fund has somewhat strict rules if we're applying kind of the train of thought here somewhat strict rules on how to invest it because you've got to serve that purpose of liquidity and availability and the fact that it's not going to go down. And you just have to wrap your head around that. But Hans, we know that can be a hard thing to do. You want that money to be working harder for you, but we got to keep the goals in mind. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Walter. No, go ahead. Maybe we ask a different question. You know, the question here was, I've got this money earmarked for an emergency fund. Is there something better I can do with it? So the idea of what you're telling us is, is there something else I can do because it's not doing anything for me? Maybe my investments are way outperforming this. So my question to you would be, well, would you be looking to put it somewhere else if it was 2008? Because hmm. many times when I ask that question, the idea, well, well no, of course not. Yeah. Well, what makes you think you can predict what's going to happen now? Nobody can. And so maybe that's the question to ask. And then, okay, now if I'm going to do it in 08, how much do I really need in my emergency fund? So then I don't have to be going in when the market in that particular case is taking one of the worst dives it's done in decades. So maybe there's a secondary question to ask for that that maybe then can help you with that first, I hate having money in the bank because it doesn't earn anything. Well, speaking of 2008, actually, it was a really nice segue into Donnie's question here. Donnie from your neck of the woods, Matt, in PA, he's worried about a market crash coming any day now, he says. But, and this is actually kind of humorous, he says, I've also thought about that for the last four years, and I've missed out on a lot of growth because of that fear. What's your advice for a very self-aware head case like me? Is that really what he said, head case? Yeah, yeah, head case. (laughs) But he's (laughs) self-aware. Yeah, yeah, he's recognizing that. Donnie, it really goes back to the first question of Hans. You know, when you start positioning your money, with your investment money, you want to consider, you know, when am I going to need this money and how much risk am I willing to take? So 
if I'm willing to, let's say, accept 50% of market risk, meaning if the market goes down 20%, I'm only going to see a 10% reduction. And then if it goes up, kind of the same thing. But I'm not going to need that money where I need to really be pulling it out. Then it doesn't really matter. The idea of waiting for this crash to happen. I had someone in my office about six months ago, and the idea that they were telling me is, well, I've got all my money sitting in cash because I'm waiting for the market to bottom, and then I'm going to buy. And my response was, you know, people have been trying to do that for years, and when you're going to try and time the market, you have to be right twice, right? You have to be right when you buy in, and you have to be right when you sell. So the idea is, you know, come up with a diversified portfolio that you're comfortable with and understand the risk and then just let it go and have other money positioned where in the event that, quote, crash happens any day, that you can go to that other money that is more safe, that isn't subject to that type of risk. You know, we recently did a client event called Gearing Up for the Next Crash. And Donnie, I wish you would have been there because it was the idea of there's so much media attention out there and it's always so doom and gloom, no matter how the markets are performing, they're all thinking the other shoe's going to drop next week and you have to be prepared for it. And what we were showing was if we go all the way back 30, 40 years and you can see what the publications do on a constant rotating basis, we're always talking about the destruction of the dollar. Oh my, we actually pulled a Time Magazine article from 1978 talking about the deficit. And how it was going to be the destruction hmm. of the markets. Think about that. 1978? 78. And we still hear about it today. You know, I had someone that had been with us for a pretty good while was convinced that the dollar, the world monetary system was soon going to be in shambles. So she put everything in precious metals, gold in particular. And I couldn't talk her out of it. And so there's always that attention. The idea is, or what I would tell you is, look at the amount of money that you're going to have for, quote, investment purposes, which should have a longer than three to five year time horizon. You're looking to leave it there for an you know, extended period of time. And you don't need to monitor things daily or monthly and let it go for you. But have money on the other side that isn't subject to that type of risk. So then you don't really have to be worried about whatever the pundits are saying or whatever your head is telling you that next market crash is going to come any day now because many people have that kind of question all the time. You know, I don't know if I want to invest right now because the market is, quote, at an all-time high. And now that I'm thinking about that, Walter, at our event, we showed over the last 25 years, if you would have been waiting for that, look how much you would have missed out on because the market hits more highs than lows. So think about that. Mm -hmm. So if you're, so then if you're the, just sitting on the sidelines, you're missing right. more highs, period. Correct. Yeah. But you still also, you have to recognize all your money shouldn't be there, but how much are you comfortable with and then just let it run. Right. Right. Fascinating. Good question, though, Donnie. And at least you've kind of admitted, you know, the first step to recovery, you admitted that you're a head case and you've got a problem. And I think that's wise of you to recognize your bias going into trying to evaluate what you should do 
with your investments so that you know, you know that you've got that working against you. So it's a really good question. And as always, we invite you to go to smartmoneyquestions.com if you've got a question to be featured on the show, or if you just want to ask Matt a direct question, you can do that as well. We don't have to put your question on the show either. Smartmoneyquestions.com, again, is your place to go for that. Before we get to our final listener question of the podcast today, it's time for a new segment. It's getting to know you time. That sound means it's time to get to know Matt Hausman a little bit better. New feature that we'll do every once in a while here on the podcast is ask Matt kind of a random non-financial question just to get to know his personality a little bit better. Find out what makes you tick, Matt. And they'll be real goofy sometimes. Other times I think they'll actually be kind of interesting. So we'll go from here. But first one's actually a somewhat normal question as we debut this segment. Outside of the financial world, we know the answer to this already is not golf, by the way. <laughs> That's right. Outside of the financial world, is there any area or discipline that you would consider yourself an expert in? Having a doggone good time. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose we can allow that. That's kind of ambiguous and hard to define. But <laughs> My mom used to always tell me that I was always looking for the party Uh huh. ever since I was young. So I would say, you know, having a good time. But ser- an expert, wow, I don't know that I'm an expert at anything. I would say I pride myself on being able to develop exercise and diet routines on my own without buying programs. Um, Managing your own diet. What's that? Managing your own diet and exercise, your own physical fitness and health. Yeah. I've got a full gym downstairs and a lot of my buddies will ask me, okay, what's your workout look like over the last couple of weeks? And how'd you come up with, because a lot of times when I'm traveling or going to conferences, I'll get together with a couple guys and we'll head to the gym and they're always like, all right, we're following your lead. And so I'll say, okay, we're going to do boom, 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 boom. And I'll have like six to eight exercises in a row. Let's say we triple set a couple of them or superset a couple. Some of them, you know, I'm like, you got to be willing. Like I'm usually in my basement, so it doesn't matter how dorky I look right now. But we're in a gym. You got to be okay with that. Right, right. right. <laughs> so, so sometimes they're not as comfortable with that. But then they're always like, where in the world did you come up with that? And I'm like, YouTube is your friend. Oh, yeah. And so I YouTube. And one thing I've learned is as you get older, I can't lift like I did when I was 20 or 18 playing football and all that stuff. Yeah, you got so to adjust, right? Develop. Yeah, you kind of develop into doing different type of strength and conditioning exercises without putting an enormous amount of stress. So usually I would say that that's one of the things like last year when we were in the year before training for the Spartan runs and developing the training routines there, that was all ab lib for me. Mm. I would just Google some stuff and okay, I'm going to pair this, this, and this and see how it works. And (laughs) I'll tell you one of the things that I have definitely learned over the course of the last three years in doing those different obstacle course races is I'll wake up at like two o'clock in the morning and I'll start thinking of a routine and I'll be like, Oh yeah, I can get that done. I can get that done in like 35 minutes. (laughs) And then I get down and I start. (laughs) I'm 12 in and I'm like, what was I thinking? That had to have been a dream. (laughs) Oh, that's too funny. Just uh, a little bit ambitious. So overreaching slightly maybe. (laughs) Just a tad. So that's cool. uh, The home gym is awesome though. You know, the best shape of my life was when we had a, and it was a very modest, I mean, calling it a gym even is a little bit overdone. 
But just having even a simple workout bench and the weights and just a little bit of room to breathe and in your own space, best shape of my life was when I had that in high school. And man, it was awesome. Because it's just so easy to make that decision to go work out for a little bit. I think that's the huge thing. You don't have to do the whole get in the car, drive to the place routine. Do I have time to shower before I get back to work or, you know, before I come home for dinner or, you know, first thing in the morning, all that jazz. You just, at any time you want, it could be 11 o'clock at night and you know, hey, before bed, I'm going to go lift some weights. You know, you can do it. it. You can do it. Now, I I do have to say I have to do it in the morning and I call mine the dungeon because it's the unfinished part of the basement. It's also got, you know, some built-in shelving for our storage and... It's a very raw space. <laughs> yeah, very, very raw. You know, but I've definitely got my money out of it. Because I got, you know, the rack, and I bought some stuff that could be considered commercial grade. Mm-hmm. Bought all the attachments. It's kind of developed over time. I got a punching bag. I got a exercise bike. I got sandbags down there. I got dumbbells, you know. And so when you have all that, you can kind of mix and match. So you can do different things. One of the big things I'll tell you I've been into for about the last three and a half, four months is I get on the bike and I put a program in a hill program and then I'll watch videos while I'm usually it's like rock music. Keep me going. Right. Or sports highlights. But I put the timer on the iPad and every five minutes I'll go over and I'll have two to four exercises I have to do. So I'll give you an example. Saturday I did incline press. I did upright rows and I did side laterals. And then I got back on the bike five more minutes. And then I have to do that again. And I did that until I got eight sets. Wow. And you're, I think I ended up completing nine and a half miles. All right. Where you just, I, I, I just need to cut you off. You're just making us all look bad at this point. <laughs> Everybody's tuning out of the podcast right now, Matt, because they're all saying, oh, listen to this guy. He's so physically fit. Listen to him dropping all these no, verbiage. No, trust of me, I'm not. When you look at me, you're like, I look like a skinny fat man, right? Side, <laughs> side shuffle rails and all sorts of crazy stuff going on in that basement. <laughs> but I tell you what, I got that done in 40 minutes and I'm done. That's pretty good. So, you know? That's all you need. So I'm not one of these guys that works out for two or three hours or right. something like that. Just enough, get the heart rate up, get some strength going. You, you know? work out to stay healthy, not to have the beach bod, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> you won't see Matt in any bodybuilding competitions anytime soon, but it sounds like the no, heart. No, because remember the first thing I said I'm really good at is having a good time. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> work hard, play hard, and then try to work a little bit harder than you play. That's right. the equation. Very cool. Well, there you go. Getting to know Matt Hausman a little bit better here on the program. We'll, uh, every once in a while, kind of ask him something off the wall to get to know him a little bit better. But that's good to know. If you need tips on your exercise routine when you come in, ask Matt about his, and he'll show you how they do it in the dungeon there at the Hausman household. Pretty good to know that. All right, let's get to our last mailbag question, shall we here, Matt? This one comes to us from Mitch in Georgia. And speaking of how long do things take? You know, talking about workouts there a moment ago. Mitch says, how long does it take to go through the retirement planning process? Is it something that's ongoing for years and years? Or do we just meet once or twice and do like the old rotisserie chicken commercials, set it and forget it and move on? (laughs) Um, She says, I really don't have a perspective on how this whole thing works. Well, I'll tell you, my position on this is that Is it something that's ongoing for years and years? And the answer, I would tell you, should be yes. And the reason why is because we can start with a plan initially. 
And that can be a two, four, six appointment process to kind of make sure the plan, at least initially, is looking the way you want it to look. But then the reason I believe it needs to be ongoing is because then life changes. And when those changes happen, it could be that the plan needs to be, it needs to be able to be shifted around a little bit to those new circumstances. And so that's where I believe that you want to have an advisor that is advising you as those things are changing to make sure you're still going to be able to accomplish whatever the original goal was. And I'll just give you one for an example. I have a client that's been with us now eight years and they came to me last year right around this time and they said, we think we want to move into this, I think they call it now, which by the way, they've been kind of springing up around here, is an over 55 active rental luxury community. Hmm. I was like, whoa. And they were like, we don't want to deal with our house anymore. We want to go into here. And when that particular thing happened, it was going to increase what their monthly obligations were. Also, now we're not owning an equity property, meaning the home. Now we're just in a rental. So then there was a whole other series of questions that we went through there. We were analyzing the contract or the rental agreement with them, all those type of things. How long has it been around? You know, what are we projecting that the increase in rent's going to be? All of those kind of things. Well, if we had just met with them eight years ago, what was your rotisserie? Set it and walk away? Yeah. Then yeah, to set it and gonna, forget it. Set it and forget you, it. Do you remember, you remember those commercials? I do. Yeah. You stick it <laughs> in the thing, you do it, and then the whole crowd goes, and we set it and forget it. All right. Everybody got it. Oh, <laughs> 1-800-SET-IT-AND-FORGET-IT for yours today, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. And if you call right now, we'll not only give you the rotisserie chicken, we'll also give you eight extra rotisserie sticks so that you can do this, this, and this, and <laughs> put a second one in your garage and one for your grandma. Call now, and we'll give you 18 of them for free. <laughs> <laughs> but in this particular case, if they, if we would have done that eight years ago, how were they going to know? And they just moved in three months ago. So they came a year ago and we went through this process to make sure, and we shifted things around so they could feel comfortable. Hey, listen, look, you're still going to be fine, even though we're doing this. And so that's where I think that ongoing planning is so important as your desires change. You know, maybe you're going to or I'm working in PA, I want to retire to Texas, who knows, you know? Those things happen, and the planning process doesn't stop at the initiation of the plan. It's ongoing. And so I would tell you, if you don't understand the perspective, maybe the idea would be to go out and talk to some different, quote, people in the financial world and see what their process is, what their perspective is on that exact question. Because I think the question is great, and you want to make sure that, you have an understanding on what you're looking for and making sure that that advisor is going to match that. Yeah. Well, that all makes sense, Matt. Some really good questions on the mailbag today. Any final thoughts before we close the book on this podcast, kind of taking into account all the things that, you know, Hans and Donnie and Mitch had on their minds this week? I just thought about this. <laughs> Here's my final thought. <laughs> you. So I told, I was talking about working out, right? <laughs> oh, see, he's bringing back up his amazing routine of lifting weights no, 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 downstairs in the dungeon. He's, bring up the he's bringing it back up again. Gonna, <laughs> I think you're going to find this funny. I just noticed what the first person's name was from Arizona. 
Hans. And I'm gonna oh, Hans and if Franz. You <laughs> <laughs> if you remember good old SNL <laughs> and uh, Dana Carvey, and I can't think of the other guy's name, we will pump. You, you up. up. Remember that? <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's my final thought of the day. I know Hans probably hates us now because he's probably heard that from everybody he's met in his entire life. Sorry, Hans. I tried to look past it, but the workout guru, Matt Hausman, just couldn't let it go. <laughs> he had to squeeze it in at the end of the podcast. Oh, fantastic. Well, there you go. If you want to pump up your financial plan a little bit, there you go. give Matt a call. If you've got questions about your financial situation, he's there for you. 610-719-3003. You don't have to be in PA or in Delaware. Matt serves clients all across the country, multiple states. We have this you know, great technology called the internet now that we can communicate across state lines very easily. So pick up the phone, give him a call, set up a time to chat. 610-719-3003. Or the easy way, online, smartmoneyquestions.com. Check out past podcasts, blog posts, videos, all sorts of good stuff there on the website. And you can, of course, get in touch through the site as well. Smartmoneyquestions.com if you haven't been there before. Great place to go. All right, Matt, get back to lifting those weights and you know working on that beach body for next year's beach trip, okay? <laughs> Have a good one. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. All right, that's Matt Hausman. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time on Smart Money Questions. 